everyone, I'm Ashley Patterson, Media Specialist 2 with the San Bernardino County Department of Behavioral Health, and we have a great episode today. As students are preparing to go back to school, this episode is all about student mental health. I'm honored to speak to not one, but two special guests today. Andre Basu, Program Manager 2 of the One Stop Tay Center, and Sonia Rubio, Program Manager 1 with the Office of Prevention and Early Intervention. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be here. So happy to have you both here. And Sonia, you and I have actually spoken on a previous podcast episode already, which I definitely recommend everybody go check out if you haven't already. But can you share a little bit about you and your role within the department? Yes, of course. I am the program manager for the Office of Prevention and Early Intervention. I've been in this field of work now for over a decade. So I really enjoy the work that we do in offering programs that can, you know, reduce the likelihood that someone who's experiencing a mental health challenge will get worse and also reducing the stigma in the community around seeking help for mental health issues or even knowing what a mental health issue might look like. Yeah, that's really, really important work that you do. Thank you for that. And Andre, I'm so excited to have you on the episode today. This is your first episode of the podcast. Can you share some information about you and what you do? This is absolutely my first episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I am the program manager for the One Stop Transition Age Youth programs here in the county, which is called Tay. We have five Tay centers for youth from the ages of 16 to 25. We're located as far north in the county as Barstow, as far southwest as Ontario, and as far east as Yucca. So we're all over the place. And we just love what we do. I've been involved with transition age youth my whole adult life and working with youth. And I've been here at the county for 15 years running our TAPE programs. Wow, I'm really just talking to some stars over here. I'm so excited. <laughs> Thank you. And so it is August, and so that means school is starting soon, if it hasn't already. In fact, I think I saw some schools have already started classes. Why is mental health important for youth and students to focus on? You bring up a really good point. This is back to school time right now that everyone's returning to school. And sometimes it's a bit of an adjustment, either because you've been off from school, kind of get used to your daily routine without going to school. For some kids, it's transitioning to a different school. So they're leaving some familiar grounds for very unfamiliar grounds and new people. And so that can be a little stressful at times, I think. And like for all of us, it's a change and it's an unexpected. It's not knowing what's going to happen and maybe just needing some additional supports to help along the way. Sonia talked about the adjustment going back to school. We have to understand that this school year is an adjustment like no other because we're going back after COVID, basically. And this is an area that all of our Tay youth are actually re-entering back in to school in person. We've done a lot of virtual education, not only with the community college programs and also our adult ed programs, now everybody's going back. So one of the things that we're always focused on in our Tay youth and adjusting to the mental health need is 
you know, kind of readjusting to be back in person. So we're helping them with that adjustment as well. The other adjustment is also, you know, like Andre was saying, is uh, sometimes for the families of the students. So we have to consider a lot of times the families are also having to adjust to, you know, a different schedule or a different school, new teachers and stuff. So so it's kind of a, a, a family challenge sometimes. Yeah, good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. In fact, that brings me to my next question. Why is youth mental health important for parents and guardians or even just loved ones to recognize as they see their students going back to school? It's important to know that your your child or your student is functioning well in their new environment or their their environment, you know, in general. And I think as a parent or a caretaker, it's our responsibility to to ensure that we are looking for any indicators from the student that might say that they need some additional supports or they need to talk to someone or there's something going on at school that's not that's not settling well with them and or they're not doing well in school and we want to do everything as we can to help ensure the success of our of our children of our students so so for us it's important to know what to look for is sometimes we don't know and it's really important to become informed as to what might look like something where a student is struggling and there may be something more than just having a bad day. The advantage that I think our TAE programs have are youth that are connected to all of our TAE centers. We use a term called full service partner, FSP. The full service partner is the youth that comes into our taste centers and is connected with a multidisciplinary team, which means they have a case manager, they have an assigned clinician, they have employment service specialists, they have education specialists. So they have the milieu of TAY programs at their fingertips, right? And what happens is when you're a full service partner, you're connected with us all the time. So you're connected with us in all the seasons of the year. So in school or out of school, you're still connected with us. So throughout, even throughout COVID, we never closed doors. We just did everything virtually. So youth were always connected with us, right? So the advantage of the taste centers is when we have these different seasons, like the summer season, the fall school season, the spring season, we're, we're connected. So we don't have a lot of disruption when those, you know, school seasons change. That's really been an an advantage to us. We do have youth that have their own kids, so they're parenting you. So now we're working on empowering them and helping support them in the process with their own kids or toddlers to adjust to all the different changes seasons also. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. So for any listeners who might be thinking about getting involved with Tay or get more information about who would be eligible, where can they go? Well, there's a myriad of places they can go. Of course, to our website. I think most of our Tay youth connections come from youth that hear from other youth. Like all of our schools, any school age youth, basically in any high school, in the county, there are contacts at the high schools that know about our taste centers. We 
partner with our superintendent of county schools that's in every single school district. And I often participate with all the programs that are doing anything mental health that happens on a, a high school campus, we're in there. Uh, our department's in there. And we always partner with our department. So I would say for our community members, we are in so many different community forums through our MHSA Act. Tay is always represented. Yes, thank you so much for mentioning that information. And for those who are listening, if you'd like more info, please visit our website, which is sbcounty.gov dbh. So I know we mentioned it a little bit already about some of the challenges that students face, whether that's focusing on homework, adjusting to new schedules, even dealing with friend groups. What are some other challenges that students are facing? I think additionally, you know, in addition to just kind of adjustment challenges, is just, you know, balancing their school and and life. We try to achieve as adults, working adults, you know, work-life balance. And I think our students also need to adjust to their student life balance as well and finding that in between where, you know, they still have an opportunity to do those things that they love and enjoy, but can also concentrate on their, their studies. And like Andre said, you know, this will be our first real year coming back to school, you know, post-COVID. We did, you know, some schools came back last year. Most of us, I think, are coming back this year. But there's a lot of students that missed out on two years of, of school in on campus. Right. There's two, two different milestones. It's uh, kindergarten. When you start school, it's, you know, that's your first exposure to socialization and, you know, a routine and such. And that was very difficult for those students that had to start kindergarten in a, in a virtual environment. And now having to return, having to, to learn a new way of going to school. And the other part is for those that go into high school. That is a transition from junior high to high school where maybe you had one classroom and you stayed there the whole time to where you're switching classrooms and there's a lot more to manage on a daily basis. And they, you know, for two years, they managed that offsite in a virtual environment. And now it's kind of learning how to do all that on the on, on site instead. And so I think that comes with its own set of challenges uh, when it comes to adjusting. Yeah, I agree. In fact, my niece graduated in 2020. And so she didn't get to go to prom. She didn't get to have her graduation. It was a drive through one. She automatically went to having to adjust to college, but it was virtual. And now she's going on campus. And it's just been such an adjustment for her. And so me seeing that, it's just like, wow, I think our students have a lot of strength. They're very resilient. Yeah. And, they, and there's a lot of students out there that missed out, like you said, on those really important events, life events that, you know, we've all had, we all had an opportunity to experience prom or, you know, homecoming or graduations where you walk up and you receive your diploma and stuff. So those are really important life events that uh, many of our students missed out on. Mm -hmm. And we've definitely talked about some of the challenges. So in general, what are some practical ways that parents or anyone can best support their student and their mental health? I'll start by saying, you know, we have, like Andre said, we have just so many resources out there for parents, it, more now than I think we've, we've ever had. 
through specifically through our prevention and early intervention, we have two main access points where parents and students can receive information or access services. And that's through our student assistance program or through our family resource centers. And those are access points that can help you connect to additional services if needed. But they also provide a safe space to be able to learn more about what student mental health and wellness should look like. Mm-hmm. And what are some things to look out for? And what resources do you have available to help you as a parent or you as a student be able to connect someone with services as quickly as possible? Right. Sonia and our whole MHSA crew. And if we don't know the answer, we know somebody that does. Mm-hmm. So even if you have a parent that if they got a, a challenge outside of a mental health need, yep. if it could be it could be a housing need, a grocery need, it could be just one of those Maslow's hierarchy and needs that we need to take care of, right? Right. We know because we're connected with all of our county partners, right? Mm-hmm. So we always want to, you know, promote there's no wrong door, mm-hmm. there's no bad question. So, you know, we're in this with all of our, our parents to see the success of their children and their families and their growth and their well-being. Yes. Thank you for saying that. One thing I'm noticing just time and time again is how collaborative we are as a county. So with that said, are there any stories or moments that stick out to you throughout your time here? Oh, I have stories. I always have stories. (laughs) I'm going to tell you guys, I make it a point to have stories because that's what really motivates me. Mm -hmm. It encourages me to come to work every day and keep at this work. Three years ago, I'm going to say four years ago, we had four students that came to our stay program, which is co-located with the TAYS, our short-term crisis residential. These kids were homeless. They came off the street, came to stay, got stabilized, came to TAY. Then they went to our TAY housing. And while they were in TAY housing, while they were engaged in services, they entered community college. They went for two years. And these are all four of these youth. They, They stayed with it. They graduated. So I was head over heels. And while this is happening, all the other youth are watching them progress. Okay, three of them got accepted to Cal State San Bernardino. One got accepted to UCR. That was three years ago. So we have three that are seniors right now. They've been at four years and three and a half years. So right now we have four youth who are a year away from a bachelor's degree in a four-year university. Wow. And these are all youth who came in off the street. All of them have progressed, and they all are promoting the wellness of mental health, the acknowledgement of how and why it's so important to stay connected to being part of a program like this, you know, they knock down the stigma of mental health that a lot of youth have. And so it's really exciting. And, you know, they talk to their peers and, you know, the the ones they talk to come to access services. Yeah. So it's really cool. It's, it's th- So that's my story. I'll let I, Sonia might have a story because I can talk all afternoon about our story. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know that I can top Andre's story. That's a that's a pretty fantastic story. And I do remember Tay that that graduated. That was really inspirational. 
I would say, you know, this, the story that I can tell is really around the changes that we're trying to make, you know, within the system so that we're looking for opportunities that will help us increase our screening and assessments to not just the kids that we outwardly see are experiencing issues, but being able to check in with all kids, all students at all levels and have a mechanism in place that says, we're not just checking in with the kids that we see are, are having an issue. Those are important, but we want to check in with everybody, you know, and be able to interact with them and have that ability to say, how are you doing today? And, you know, identify some kids that might need additional resources that would otherwise maybe fall through the cracks if we didn't ask them. So, so my story is really more about trying to make a, a systems change so that no student goes or no child goes without needing getting services that they need. And we have to have that system change yeah, too. Yeah. To sustain, to sustain all the other programs that are doing successful. That's a great point. So Right. Yeah, absolutely. Such great work that proves how wonderful you guys are doing and your team and the department. That is such a story of resiliency about the students who are graduating despite the challenges that they had. Ashley, let me say this. You, you, you always hear that term, it takes a village. Mm-hmm. And to raise the child, well, the village is all of us that are working in these systems. Like Sonia said, like, yeah, they're working on the system, but you got to have people to execute that system. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's part of the village. I mean, we, we don't work in silos. We, we work in a group together, you know, strengthen the whole system of care. I just feel, you know, fortunate to be a part of it and just to kind of get in where we fit in to to help the success of all these kids we work with. Absolutely. Next month in September, it's National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And so I'm wondering, Sonia, if you're able to, can you share some of the warning signs might indicate if someone or a teen specifically may be thinking about suicide? Sure, sure, absolutely. What I tell you know most folks when when they ask me that question is I say you really want to look for changes in in your student or in your child. You know something that is out of what would be normal for them. So if they're very athletic and they're all about sports and all about you know being active and all of a sudden there's just no interest in it at all or you know they show very very little enthusiasm for that, you know, those types of drastic changes or they're very outgoing and social and, and they like to engage. And all of a sudden you see that they're not engaging or they're just not interested in being around people or might maybe a little bit isolated or they're, you know, kids that really like to take a great interest in their appearance. You know, they dress up, they wear makeup or they paint their nails and, you know, they like to look, you know, their best. And you notice that all of a sudden that's just not, you know, such a priority for them anymore. So you want to look for those types of things that might be indicators that say, you know, I want to, maybe you want to sit down and talk with your with your student with your child find out you know hey you know just concerned because i see this this and this you know wondering if there's anything going on or if there's anything we can talk about so those are just kind of some of the indicate not all the indicators of course you know you know like i said just be uh, aware and if you see something that looks 
it's out of place or not quite right, then it's worth asking. Right. Absolutely. And I do want to note if you or someone you know is struggling with thoughts of suicide, to please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline by dialing 988 or 1-800-273-8255. And we will also have that information in our episode description as well, as well as some other resources to get more information. So you both shared such important and valuable information. What is one thing you each hope listeners will take away from today's episode? I always want our listeners to know that our programs are available to them. I think a lot of times when we're out there, we want our families to feel like we're there to support them. Just to know that, you know, there's a whole loving crew of people who are working for the county that want to see the families and their students supported. I want them to know that we're here, always here. And and we're just not here from from like nine to five because our programs are kind of 24-7. There's a way you can contact us even after hours if we need to. It's something that Andre said that, you know, sticks with us, especially now is really what I'd like for people, for our listeners to know is that there is no wrong door. And that's really the approach that our department takes on throughout all of our service delivery, because we are committed to this work. Like Andre said, him and I, and you, Ashley, we all have a passion for this work that we do. And we have so many resources at our disposal, and it's not always easy to navigate a system when there's so many resources. So we want everyone to know that there is no wrong door. Absolutely. Well said. And in closing, one thing that I recognize more this year is just the importance of self-care. And talking about student mental health, I think self-care is also just so important for them to also recognize And so one thing we like to do in the podcast is highlight how our podcast guests practice self-care. So can each of you share what you do to practice self-care? Sure. I do a lot of things. Number one, I try not to ever, ever get angry at anything. (laughs) That's important. But for me, in the last three years, I had a grandson. My wife, bless her heart, retired to watch my grandson. So I watched him grow up. So when you talk about self-care, it's always, I always just take a minute just to not worry about the cares of the world and focus on the close family or the closest family to me. So I, I, I think for me, I just always take the time to just be thankful about where we're at and not sweat the small stuff. Right. You know, I don't I know this isn't like real profound, but I think all of us in our daily work can get so stressed and so driven. It's always good to just take a breath and relax and just know that the work isn't going to go anywhere um, and to find highlights in your work every day. And I think for me, that's what I always do is find the highlight. Yeah. I think Andre said it perfectly. I think I'm, I, I wish I had a very profound answer for you, but but he's absolutely right. I think a lot of my my self care is just exactly what he said. It, not just don't sweat the small stuff. Don't sweat any of the stuff. Yeah. Uh, none of the things. You know, there's a lot of value in just taking a pause 
you know, not letting ourselves get so wrapped up into something before we've really had a chance to digest it and wrap our head around it. So I think that's really one of the things that I try to practice for self-care because in a in our world right now, things are fluid and they can change very quickly. And we have to be able to, you know, manage ourselves around those changes. And my other self-care is I just, as empty nesters, we replace our kids with with fur babies. And I find that for me, just sitting with them and, and they love you and they lick you and they want to play with you, it brings me an incredible amount of joy. And it's, a, it's my best self-care of the day, I think. Driving home, you know, I usually go like everybody else and you're in that almost the fast lane or the name next to the fast lane. One day last week, I drove home at 55 miles an hour, like in the slow lane. It was so nice. <laughs> I'm driving 55. That, that, that's another self-care. I'm not in a hurry. Just drive 55. Sometimes when everything seems to be going wrong, I always say just, you know what? Just slow down, mm-hmm. just exactly. slow down mm-hmm. and, you know, pause and then let's, you know, we'll move on from here. Thank you both again so much for bringing awareness about student mental health and for being on the podcast today. Thank you for inviting us. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you for listening to another episode of Resilient and Real. Did you know we're an award-winning podcast? That's right. We received an achievement award from the National Association of Counties for this podcast. So thank you so much to everybody for supporting and for listening to the podcast. If you're not already subscribed, be sure to subscribe so that way you can be notified when the new episodes drop. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast too. Plus, be sure to follow us on social media to stay updated on all things DBH. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. If you have any questions or would like to provide any feedback about the podcast, please feel free to reach out to us. Our email is dbh-publicrelations at dbh.svcounty.gov. Until next time, remember to live life resilient and real.